0: In January 2019, the American College of OBGYN released the Obstetric Care Consensus document highlighting the importance of the interpregnancy interval and pregnancy spacing. This was the Obstetric Care Consensus number 8. However, we know that the interpregnancy interval really depends on the outcome of the index pregnancy. In other words, interpregnancy intervals after, for example, a first trimester miscarriage obviously can be much shorter than the interpregnancy interval recommendation following a term live birth. But what about the interpregnancy interval after a stillbirth? After this horrific and terrible outcome, parents often ask how soon they can try again for another child. Well, what's the verdict? What does the evidence say? And do the recommendations for interpregnancy interval change because of the stillbirth? Well, in this episode, we're gonna cover data from 2019 regarding the interpregnancy interval following a stillbirth and subsequent pregnancy outcomes. Recommendations regarding inter-pregnancy intervals and pregnancy spacing vary based on the organization. For example, the World Health Organization recommends that women wait at least two years after a term live birth and at least six months after a miscarriage or induced abortion before conceiving again. And this is in order to reduce the risk of adverse birth outcomes in the subsequent pregnancy. However, the World Health Organization is taking into account different socioeconomic backgrounds worldwide. However, these recommendations from the World Health Organization are actually in conflict with the recommendations from the American College of OBGYN. According to the ACOG's obstetric care consensus from January 2019, women should be advised to avoid interpregnancy intervals shorter than 6 months and should be counseled about the risks and benefits of repeat pregnancies sooner than 18 months. Most of the data from observational studies in the U.S. would suggest a modest increase in risk of adverse outcomes associated with intervals less than 18 months and more significant risk of adverse outcomes with intervals less than 6 months. More recent studies, however, have called into question the methodologies common to much of this literature, and the question honestly remains open to causal effect of short interpregnancy interval on some outcomes. Interdelivery from one delivery to the next of less than 18 months have been associated with increased risk of uterine rupture among women undergoing a trial of labor after cesarean. However, not all problems are associated with short interpregnancy intervals. Interpregnancy intervals of greater than 5 to 10 years may also be associated with increased risk of adverse outcomes. So according to the ACOG, the ideal time for pregnancy spacing following a term live-born child is anywhere from 18 months but less than 5 years. All right, let's take a quick pause here, and I want to remind everybody that we actually have a whole podcast that has summarized this obstetric care consensus from January 2019, and you can find that podcast in the archive. And in that podcast, we make the distinction that interpregnancy intervals really vary based on what that outcome was for that indexed pregnancy. For example, there is no evidence that after a first trimester miscarriage that patients need to wait for 6 months or a year or 18 months before conception is tried again. There is no data that women who get pregnant quickly after a first trimester miscarriage have any worse outcomes than those who wait. However, these recommendations of the 18 months, but less than five years duration in between pregnancies is really based on a term live-born child. But what about a stillbirth? That's a different situation. Well, that data is actually different and more reassuring. So let's head to that Foods foods market. All right. Now, as we mentioned just a little while ago, the World Health Organization currently recommends that women wait greater than or equal to two years after a live birth and six months after a miscarriage or induced abortion before attempting conception again. And these numbers are different than what's recommended by the ACOG. But nonetheless, neither organization makes specific recommendations for optimal interpregnancy interval after a stillbirth. However, in April 2019, a group of researchers published data specifically focusing on outcomes of pregnancy following a stillbirth based on interpregnancy interval, and this was published in The Lancet. Why was there a gap in the data? Why was this focus on stillbirth required? Well, the reason is, is that prior research has suggested that an interpregnancy interval less than six months after a live birth is linked with a nearly two-fold increase in certain adverse pregnancy outcomes, including preterm labor, growth restriction, and in some studies there's been this unclear association even with some birth defects. However, none has specifically taken a look at interpregnancy interval following a stillbirth. The authors of this new study from April 2019 hypothesized that the maternal physiological stress and nutritional demands are obviously different following a term live birth as it is for a stillbirth and that could possibly impact and affect the interpregnancy interval. For this study from April 2019, the authors' research group examined birth records from Finland, Norway, and Australia for women whose most recent pregnancy ended in stillbirth at greater than or equal to 22 weeks gestation. Overall, the researchers analyzed data from over 14,000 singleton births among mothers with a stillbirth in the previous singleton pregnancy median interpregnancy interval after stillbirth was nine months versus 25 months after a live birth. About two-thirds of women conceived that next child less than 12 months after stillbirth with a little over a third conceiving shortly within six months. All right, now we're going to take a look at the numbers in a lot of detail, but here it is in a nutshell, and here's the good news. Pregnancies shortly after a stillbirth were not linked with an increased risk of adverse outcomes compared to those where women waited longer to conceive. So this proves that there may be different nutritional and physiological demands following a stillbirth compared to a live child, which can successfully allow shorter interpregnancy intervals. So that should be good news and reassuring to parents who find themselves in this terrible situation. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? were preterm birth, and 9% were small for gestational birth. Now, when compared to women with inner pregnancy intervals of 24 to 59 months, inner pregnancy intervals of less than 6 months were not linked to increased risk of adverse pregnancy outcomes. These adverse pregnancy outcomes that, again, were no different whether they waited less than 6 months or greater than 24 months included subsequent stillbirth, pre birth, and small for gestational age. Similarly, there were no increased odds of these outcomes when comparing interpregnancy pregnancy intervals of 6 to 11 months compared to 24 to 59 months. Moreover, the authors found no difference in the link between interpregnancy interval and birth outcome by gestational length of the previous stillbirth. So what's the clinical implication of all these numbers? Well, it's very clear. The results of this study suggest that pregnancy interval after stillbirth might be less important than previously assumed for women in high-income regions than it is, for example, after a term live birth. Now, rather than adhering to hard and fast rules after a stillbirth and pregnancy timing, clinical recommendations should consider a woman's current health status, her current age in conjunction with her desires regarding child spacing and ultimate family size, and particularly following a loss, the patient's emotional readiness to become pregnant again. According to Regan, who is the lead author of this publication, because 37% of women become pregnant within 6 months of a stillbirth and 63% become pregnant within 12 months, these study results apply to a large proportion of women conceiving after a stillbirth and should provide some reassurance that short interpregnancy intervals following a stillbirth are not associated with adverse pregnancy outcomes. All right, team. We're getting towards the end of our podcast, and if you're like me, you might be asking yourself, "What's the difference here? Why does a short interpregnancy interval seem to cause adverse outcomes following a term live birth, but not after stillbirth?" Well, let's answer that question next. Short interpregnancy intervals following a term live birth have been linked to some adverse pregnancy outcomes, but what's the pathophysiology? Well, without sufficient time to recover from a previous pregnancy, women may be at increased risk of entering a reproductive cycle with poor nutritional status. At least, that's one of the key hypothesized pathophysiological mechanisms. This poor nutritional status, due to a short interpregnancy interval, can be linked to increased risk of growth restriction, preterm labor, and even certain birth defects but such nutritional depletions might not occur to the same extent after a pregnancy loss, and this may affect the optimal interpregnancy interval. This can help explain why it could be different after a stillbirth compared to a live birth. Now we cannot end this podcast without stating the obvious limitations of this study. Now, although the results of this study were reassuring that short interpregnancy intervals after stillbirth did not lead to increased adverse outcomes, and that's good news for parents who want to try again, there are some limitations to this data that we can't ignore. Limitations to the data just presented include the observational nature of the study and unmeasured confounders that may have the potential to affect the author's findings. Additionally, the authors stated that the countries included in the study had access to universal health care and free antenatal care. Additionally, the populations studied were primarily Caucasian, so these results may be limited, applying them to a more general population, to low- and middle-income countries, and a more ethnic diverse group. Alright team, this brings us to a wrap. We have covered the April 2019 publication in The Lancet entitled Association Between Interval Pregnancy and Adverse Birth Outcomes in Women with a Previous Stillbirth, an international cohort study. This study is reassuring for patients who find themselves in the tragic situation of a stillbirth. According to the study, short inner pregnancy intervals did not lead to adverse pregnancy outcomes in the subsequent pregnancy. But the most important takeaway from this message is that both the mother and the partner need to be emotionally ready to embark on a new pregnancy after the devastation of a stillbirth. Nonetheless, we have to remember that inner pregnancy interval recommendations actually vary based on the outcome of that first index pregnancy. So for first trimester pregnancy loss, the interpregnancy interval can be quite short. But for term live births, it seems that 18 months to 5 years is the optimal interpregnancy spacing. And after a stillbirth, according to this new publication, short interpregnancy intervals were not associated with adverse pregnancy outcomes. So that can be comforting. Thanks for being a part of our podcast family and we'll see you next time on our next episode of Clinical Pearls.